Okay, look. Well, welcome to episode two. This is... Let's do this. I know. Slight change of scenery, of course. Having to move into uh, the office as opposed to the couch. Give it a more professional look. Um, but Chris, good to be back. Um, I know. Promised every week. Looks like we're gone every two weeks, but uh, hoping to get back. I feel like every two weeks is good enough. Every, every two weeks is going to be good. I think, you know, kind of more... I think we're starting to feel like we're going to go more directional and feel like we're focusing in on a topic yeah. each couple of weeks. I know the first week we kind of just riffed on just about everything. We talked about a lot. Um, but an exciting week in the golf world this week. You know, we've got the President's Cup coming up. Uh, who do you have this week? Do you have uh, the Internationals or do you have, of course, Team USA? I'm going Team USA this week. I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a whitewash. But I don't think it's going to be completely unrealistic. I think I think it's going to be. Cl- I, I think they'll make it a fight. I feel like the internationals always do. Um, but I have a feeling our boys are going to come out on top. Yeah, should be fun to watch either way. Should be fun yeah. to watch. And I mean, it's been cool because it kind of wraps into our topic this week, which is tournament prep. And you know, we've seen them already out on the driving range. We've seen them out playing the course. You know, it's all over social media. I mean, everybody's you know, following along, and um, I think it's good because for us it's it's kind of easy to talk about because we can really riff into, you know, kind of what makes good tournament prep and what kind of separates those who maybe have their stuff sorted when it comes to tournament prep and others who are just kind of coming into it for the first time. You know, I think it's going to – it's it's really important too, and it's going to – especially in tournament play, every shot counts. And, you know, if you can learn something in the preparation stages that might save you one, two or three shots, it might mean the difference between you making the cut on a professional level and making money or going home after two days. And I think, you know, I wanted to kind of run over some things with you about, you know, what is it that makes a great tournament play um, and a tournament prep. So I think... What, in your experience, have you found that better tournament preppers do than others? Yeah, I mean, you want to feel like that you have an advantage. That's your first step, I think, to, to have an advantage, just to know everything about the golf course. Um, it's nice when you're on the PJ Tour or going to the President's Cup. You get to come in almost a week, sometimes more, usually three to four days in advance, and you get you know, time and there's obviously a lot of more information readily available to you to, to learn the golf course. Um, but it's every tournament you play, you want it to feel like it's your home course, I think. And then, you know, learn about it enough to where you know where, what the holes are that you can, you can make birdies on, what holes you need to look, look out for, and and just have a, a full full plan uh, to be able to attack it. And, you know, on the, on the PJ Tour, these guys learn um, after years of playing some of these courses, some of the courses just probably don't fit them very well. And so they'll choose to go to other tournaments instead. Um, so I think, I think for, for something like this week, um, it's a course that none of them have seen. I think they've played this one before. Where, where are they playing this week? Quill Hollow, I oh, believe. It's going to be this week, yeah. The yeah. Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, it's an awesome golf course. I haven't played it, but it's been awesome to watch on TV. Um, I think, uh, so they have, most of them will probably have quite a bit of history already with the golf course and, 
Um, I mean, there's just a lot of information if you have the time to gather from, you know, lines off the tee, how the fairways are running, how the greens are reacting on approach shots with, with different clubs. You know, long irons, are you able to hold the green coming into the green? Wedges, is the ball spinning? Is it skipping 20 feet? Like all that type of information is the stuff we'll be figuring out this week. Mm. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot of digesting and a lot of, especially getting feels for the golf course because I know the last President's Cup out of Royal Melbourne, they were, you know, the greens were concrete and, you know, these players were even finding that they were heading back into the spinniest ball categories just to give them a shot at even mm. holding a green because, I mean, I still remember that par three going up the hill where that pin was tucked in the front and you would bounce on the front of the green and it would skip right to the back and there was just <laughs> nothing you could do about yeah. it. But, I mean, in terms of, at least in terms of our junior players, you know, they obviously don't have the time or the luxury because they're juggling other things. Yeah. You know, they're coming in, maybe playing the course once for a practice round on a Friday afternoon after school, you know, getting ready to gear up and play Saturday, Sunday. How do you make the most of a practice round, you know, a really rushed twilight round where you're trying to see as much of the golf course as quickly as possible? What for you are the most efficient ways to kind of soak up that information as quickly as possible on that Friday afternoon? Yeah, I think, I mean, before I get there on a Friday, I would have already used, you know, the Blue Golf Winter Tournament app. You can look at all the holes. You could print out, you know, the whole maps. You could have a little booklet to show, you know, what the holes look like before you get there and maybe study what you think you might want to do on that golf course. And then you know, get right to it, get to the first hole and start um, taking notes on, on where you want to hit your drive. Um, it's hard, like you said, on a Friday afternoon and, and most tournaments don't want you hitting extra balls anyway, um, since we are playing public golf in the afternoons and pace of play is an issue, um, but figuring out, you know, which club to hit off the tees. Fairway might be wider at certain points, so figuring that out is good. And then, you know, like we talked about, shots if it's the ball spins from further back and you're driving it down to 50 yards all day laying back is an advantage so right uh things like that and then like i said if you're playing a quick three hour four hour round late in the day on a friday um just really get your speed down on the greens um hit a couple extra chips off the side of the greens to see how the other how the greens are re reacting to to your chip shots uh got to get into the bunkers and see what those are like and have a plan uh, bunkers are different pretty much everywhere you go, so figuring figuring that out, um, and then uh, yeah, just anticipating, you know, bef maybe the night before looking at the weather, seeing what the weather's going to be right. like. If you get to play your practice round, it's like ideal conditions. That's great. It's the same for all three days, perfect. But you know, if you're doing a Friday afternoon late practice round and almost in the dark, and then you tee off 7 a.m. Saturday morning, and it's overcast and it's cooler out or it's just thicker the air is thicker you know like we go sandpiper later this fall you, you show up and it's some usually a, just a big oh absolutely huge just a cloud of fog you just, right you suck tee off and that you warm up in the dark and uh you get to that first hole that ball is not going far at all early so if you think you're going to be playing your 3 p.m in the sun golf you're not you know the ball's not going to go as far so those are the little adjustments that you have to make uh, to be ready to actually compete and put the ball in, in good positions, especially on a course like Sandpiper where long is bad, short is better. You right. have to figure that out. So 
Right. Yeah, especially on those greens out there. That's yeah. just a whole other level of brutal. I think for me, I think, you know, when I try to play a practice round, it is for it is. I'm, I'm the exact same way. I just try to soak up as much information as I possibly can. I mean, typically, even on the practice green, you can get a pretty good idea of what type of grass it is. You know, even, even kind of the subtleties in between, you know, Bermuda and Bent, it's like Poana, you know, each one of these grasses is going to react a slightly different way on the, on the greens. And then, you know, you can usually do kind of a brush test for me, which is just kind of, you know, kind of uh, brushing your hand across the green, you know, like with the back of your hand and just figuring out like which way the grain's moving. You know, like you can obviously like look at the bottom of the cup too and see which way the, the mower actually caught the cup. And you can actually see which way the grain is growing uh, on each of the greens. And, you know, especially, especially when we talk about putting it, it all comes down to these minuscule adjustments that you have to make on the fly. You know, I'm, I'm used to playing, I play lots out at uh, Mencinitas Ranch and it's the same thing. It's very Bermuda greens. You have to double check to make sure which way the, the ball is breaking. Um, but I think I love to soak up as much information as I can. I think, um, you know, I love to figure out, I think primarily for me is trying to figure out where the misses are, mm-hmm. you know, because figuring out where, where you're missing is going to be paramount to you scoring well or not scoring well. You know, if you can, if you can turn an out of bounds ball into a ball in the other fairway, you're going to save yourself two, one to two shots there right off the bat. And, and it's, it's a huge difference. And it's one of those things that we don't really think about is, you know, because we all just assume that we're going to have perfect shots all the time. And that's, that's a great thing to think, but the reality of golf is nobody's perfect. Like even the pros make bogeys and doubles, you know, Colin made a nine or 10 on, in the tour, in like the tour championship, which is arguably the biggest tournament of the entire season. And it just, it happens. Like we're, we are human, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure he planned out thoroughly in his head where he wanted his miss to be. And he just, physically didn't make a good shot and that's okay you have to accept that we're human but um especially off the tee like i love to because i know for me my my miss is left mm-hmm. so i always take careful note of you know where is that miss left and when can i not have it right you know when do i need to just maybe take a three wood off the tee and yeah. make sure i miss right you know it's, it's these small things that might end up saving you one or two shots down the line at it, it might not seem like a huge deal, but it, it's if it drops your scoring average by two shots, that's going to make a world of a difference to a collegiate coach. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those where, you know, it might make your team win at the end of the day. Right. And it's, you know, it's these small, small factors that just compound. And then, you know, I know, I know in college, at least, we, we, we get the pin positions during our practice round. Mm-hmm. And so we can kind of chip to these shots and, have a feel for what's going to happen um for the do you because obviously we at, at fcg can't pre-plan the pins as much mm-hmm. um is there anything do you find that you can kind of pick a spot on the green where you think the pin is going to be do you do you typically take that much note of what you shoot in the practice round or are you just trying to just gather as much information as yeah possible? i think it's more important just to gather the info where where they could potentially be and 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 get the yardages if you can if you have the time to you know see where the bunker is how many paces from the front to the 
bunker that maybe be on the left side of the green. Um, and then know what, like, you don't have to do that every hole. If the hole's really hard, I think the middle of the green's probably fine. I, I remember, I'll tell, share this short story my friend, Caddy, uh, on the PGA Tour for one event for, for Scott Piercy, a good friend of ours. And it was at the Disney tournament. This is 20 years ago. Um, and he was marking off and walking the back right corner of the Disney green, which will kind of looks like a Mickey Mouse head, you know, mm-hmm. the back right corner. And he looked at him, Scott looked at him, he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm figuring out for this back flag, what, you know, what the yardage is. Like, I'm not hitting it back there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Scott was like, and Ryan's like, well, why? why? What if we need to? He's like, it cost me too much money to hit it there. I'm playing the percentages. <laughs> I'm hitting the middle of the green and I'm putting to that corner. Right. And I think there's a lot of holes that junior golfers, college players, all need to play more to the center of the green. You know, there's times and places to be aggressive, and you got to figure out when those are. Um, so actually going back to, like, gathering the information, if you're going to a new tournament or a tournament you haven't played at before, of course, I like to look at previous results of tournaments that were there with good players and look at what holes, you know, people were struggling with, what, people, what holes people were making those birdies on. Right, like sandpaper hole one, everybody's gonna make a lot of birdies on hole one. Right. Right. Then you get to the hole in the back, like hole eleven, the par three. I mean, <laughs> double, double city. Everybody makes so many doubles on that hole. Mm-hmm. So figuring that out and then going, okay, well, why? And then you go play practice round. You go, okay. Oh, I know why. That's why <laughs> right. Yeah. And just like we talked about on the last podcast, if the hole's under three eighty, why? What? What's if it's for back tee? What? What are they trying to, you know, do to do out there? So. Right. Stuff like that, I think. But. Yeah. Well, I find the exact same thing. It's like, well, it's it's funny, too, because sometimes we can kind of get in our own head during that tournament and be like, oh, I have to make birdie here. Mm-hmm. Because it's, you know, yes, you have an idea in your mind of which holes you should be burning, but then it's it's another thing to actually get in the tournament and let yourself ease into it right. and let yourself hit good shots. Because I, I know for me, you know, it's, especially... At your home course, you know what holes you have to take advantage of, but it's actually getting out of your own head and just letting yourself play the hole well instead of, you know, getting so cramped up in what you need to do right. that you can't actually execute it because you're too busy thinking about the end result. I think that it always goes back to, you know, and, and sometimes it's, it's, it's the flip side and we can kind of psych ourselves out on a really difficult hole and go, oh man, this is a really tough hole. It's okay if I make bogey. It's like, well, you just allowed yourself to make right. bogey. Right. It's like you obviously you shouldn't. You should still try to execute good right. shots. And you know, I played uh, Palma Valley Country Club for the first time uh, on Friday. Seventy three hundred yards. I had no idea yeah, it was that long. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. So and I think it was kind of a good thing for me because I was seeing the course for the first time. And. You know, it's it's brutally long. I went driver three with six. Oh my! <laughs> I went driver three with end of it and still had a twenty yard chip in. And I oh my! Like, I was barreling into that's, the wind. That's just such a hard hole now. Right. Exactly. I mean, par seventy one. You're playing seventy three hundred yards. It just seems impossible. But coming back to you know, kind of that mental prep was I kind of left myself open minded to what I was yeah. expecting. I mean, obviously it wasn't a tournament, so I wasn't that stressed about it. But it was, you know, knowing that it was a long golf course and it was okay that I was going to make a couple bogeys here and there. But yeah, I probably know you're gonna swing that hard. <laughs> I know, I know, and it was it was windy, it was long, and I was you know, but it was kind of letting myself play golf instead mm-hmm. of getting caught up in 
because there were no holes under 380. Their, their shortest par four is 410. Yeah. And so you're sitting there and you're like, well, I went driver wedge for the first time today yeah. <laughs> instead of going driver through. It's open though. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. But, um, you know, I know. And coming back to your thing about the story with Scott Piercy, the fact of the matter is playing to the center of the green is always going to be a percentage play. And it's, you know, a lot of us get caught up in the fact of flag hunting. Mm-hmm. We, we all want to go flag hunting. We all, want to, we all want to make birdies, and that's great. But the statistic r- remains where if you're hitting all 18 greens, you're going to shoot under par, assuming you are a semi-competent right. putter. You are going to shoot under par, and not many people realize that, you know, if you're just firing at the middle of the green every time, but you pick such a precise target in that middle of the green, because obviously, you know, if you're just, my mom likes to say, you know, start small, finish small for your targets. Mm, And so she loves, she would always tell me, Connor, I want you to pick out a really specific target. I want you to pick out, you know, a limb on a tree, not just the big tree, yeah. you know, pick out a point on that tree and you're trying to hit that very precise point. And I think for me, that changed a lot of my game because I used to be a player that was like, oh, I, I just want to hit the green here. Mm-hmm. And it's, you're giving yourself a 30 yard wide target, right. you know, and it's, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss by another 20 or 30 yards. You know, when you start to dial, you can basically convince your brain to dial in this, shot where even if you're missing you're missing by five or ten yards plus and you're still either just greenside or still on the green and you're very manageable you know and i think i get caught up in this too where i'm trying to i'm trying to go flag hunt from 210 yards <laughs> and it's like you know the percentage of this is just especially with a four iron in your hand yeah. and you're here just belting it out it's like how many times am I actually going to hit precisely the line I want to a back tuck pin? It's like, why am I just not, I should just pull out a four, hit it easy, hit it in the middle of the green, just like Scott Piercy did, and just make a two-putt and walk off. And there are, there are. the advice to yourself. Yeah, you it's, it I should try it sometime, I know, I, I really. <laughs> it, but it's so hard because you, you get all this adrenaline rush during that tournament, you're like, you know, you have like a string of two or three good holes, right? And you think you're king of the world, and you you know you go into the next hole and you try to fire off a four iron at a back tuck pin with a false front, and all of a sudden you're making double. Yeah. And the reality of the matter is that happens way too much than I would like to, uh, you know, like way too much, way too much. But you know, I think um, if there was for our juniors, I think you know. I think it would be being able to take a step back and not go fly hunting over anything. But, yeah. you know, birdies are good. Birdies are your friend. You know, they are going to push you deeper and deeper into the red. But at, at that point in time, you know, if you don't do the proper mental prep, a double is going to wipe out two or three holes of really good work. Yeah. And I That's think true. that is the most frustrating part of golf is, you know, you can, you can have two or three great shots or two or three great holes, you know, push yourself be really proud of yourself for those two or three holes, and then you can just you can just kind of lose it there in that one little loose swing. Mm-hmm. You know, I know our last collegiate series at Encinitas that I played, I did the exact same thing. I, you know, we played the back stretch, you know, like at Encinitas, ten through fourteen, um, and I 
you know, I birdied 11 and then I birdied 14 and I was super stoked because I hadn't made anything up until that point. I just made like a two putt birdie on 11. And then we, I get on the 15, which is my miss and there's OB left. And I took this big deep breath after making that six foot birdie put on 14 and promptly hit two OB. Ooh. And it's like, and it is, you know, I did, I did five holes of really good work mm-hmm. and I let myself get complacent mm-hmm. in, you know, what, how I was playing. And all of a sudden I was back to square one. And then all of a sudden I back to two over after six and I was two under after five. Yeah, and it's, it's tough. It is. And it's, it's, it's tough because is there anything you could have done different in your prep for that? I think definitely. I think, um, you know, I, I know that the miss is left, but I think even, even kind of recognizing our own tendencies after a good hole. And I think it's keeping that mental focus during the round. That's a requirement in order to stay, you know, in the zone. And as opposed to, you know, I really felt like I just got, you know, late. I would say lazy almost. Yeah. And I would say, you know, it is really easy to do. And I think, you know, I think the key is to just make sure that you're playing shots instead of, you know, we can kind of get lost in how we're playing and oh my goodness, I'm going to have a great day today. Mm-hmm. And then reality comes and slaps you in the face and goes, well, wait, you're actually human. You're going to hit a bad shot. So I think if I had to change anything in my mental prep, I think it would be, you know, I should have learned after the first day because I actually got caught in a bear patch in the fair or in the fairway and made bogey the first day because it was a bear patch and I scolded it over the green and I thought to myself, I should probably take three wood next time because the miss is well, if you right. practiced and knew where the, where the dirt spot was. I know. I know. And I got lazy and didn't even have a practice round. And, you know, obviously, <laughs> obviously in a collegiate event, you know, or a professional event, they, they would have marked that out as, yeah. you know, ground under repair. You know, we don't have the luxury of doing that just because we operate typically on that public scale basis and, you know, got to go through them. But, you know, I think, so I kind of want to gear into more, uh, like pre pre round mental prep. Yeah. You know, on the day of the tournament, right. You've done all of this prep and you've, you know, ideally you've looked at the course on blue golf. You've had your practice round on Friday, you've taken your notes, you know what to, you know, you know what to expect in terms of hard holes and easy holes. You've done, you've done all the mental prep work. How do you put that together on the day of the of the tournament? How do you a practice to gear for that, and then b how do you go out and execute? Yeah, so tournament days is a is a is a very fun day. You know, as me for tournament, I'm very excited. I want to play golf tournaments, right? So, you know, I remember years ago learning on TV, listening to Johnny Miller talking about how he wakes up every day and he does everything really really slow to try to take out some of the anxiety, take out the rush, uh, you know, so I think the prep starts, really starts the night before, but when you wake up, I remember he saying something about brushing his teeth slow, like walking to the car slow, get out of the car slow, like, you know, show up. I usually try to get to tournaments like about an hour and 10 minutes before my tea time. Um, I get there, I get out of the car, I look around, I try to just get acclimated to the scenery and what's going on for the day, you know? Um, and then 
I, I'll first thing I do, I usually hit balls first. I'll, I'll go to the range. Hopefully, the range is there's a spot open and I can have my normal range set up, but that might get um, sidetracked by the busier the event or the smaller the range. You know, I'm going to be sharing my spot with somebody or waiting. If I have to wait, I'll have to go somewhere else. Um, maybe go chip or putt first, but um, and then I'll I'll warm up slow. I'll start with just some little chips. Um, just make sure my grip feels normal. Make sure I'm trying to get all the tension out of my body because I know I'm going to be feeling tense as I get going. So trying to hit just some really soft, like 20, 30, 40 yard shots just to get the body moving and moving in the right direction. Um, and then from there, I'll start to hit a little further shots, maybe a, a, a fuller lob wedge and sand wedge. And then from there, start picking targets after that. And I'll typically go to the bag and hit, you know, a variety of irons. Uh, Depending on the day, it might just be even clubs or odd clubs. Just depends on, on how I feel that day. Um, it's never a, really an exact set pattern. Um, and then I always end my range session with whatever the opening tee shot is going to be. So mm -hmm. if I'm hitting driver off of one, I'm definitely going to hit that shot as my last ball. I'll do my full routine. I will imagine them announcing my name to try to feel that little bit of energy you know, that you feel. And then... I'll go through that process, pick the target that I feel like I'm going to hit, try to visualize that same type of fairway, and then hopefully I hit my good shot or my miss. If I hit something that's like, oh, geez, that's not going to work, then I'm going to do that process a few times and try to find it. And then, you know, hopefully I do find it. Um, and then prior to that, I'll, I'll go, uh, or after that, I'll go um, hit some chips. Uh, probably not a ton. Depends, it depends on the golf course if they have a short game facility mm -hmm. um, and then you know I'll go to the putting green and I always start with short putts and just get a couple balls going in the hole make sure I see them going in and then uh, do some lag putts um, depending on what, if I'm working on something in my putting routine I might set up a, a, a station or two whatever drills I'm doing but typically the day of the tournament I'm really more just concerned about feel and really seeing what what I see um, you know, one of those early putts, like a 15 footer, I, I, I want, I want to be connected to what it looks like. Mm -hmm. So those are my best days. I know if I, if I hit a 15 footer and I roll at the right pace and I'm not shocked on those first putts, so it's like, okay, that's way short or way long or just not, you know, close enough, then, you know, I need to do a little bit more time right on there. So how do you, how do you handle that? Well, I was kind of going to read here. So do you find that you keep the same routine for each tournament that you play? Do you try to keep it similar to your normal practice session? I haven't had a full-time tournament schedule in 20 years. Well, but, sure, sure. But back in the day, yes, I played. Okay. I, I would have a very a more same routine every day, every tournament. Okay. So. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, because I think that's a huge part is, you know, some – and I'm guilty of this back when I was a junior as well, is that I would have a completely different routine from my normal round on a Saturday to a tournament round, which is okay. I mean, it matters more, but I think we can kind of gear our mindset into a weird way where we yeah. can kind of get up tight and it's this and stress yourself out and stress yeah. yourself out because you're, you know, you're doing everything differently. Yeah. You know, nowadays I feel like my, my pre-shot or my pre-tournament and pre-round routine is pretty similar. And I think that just kind of helps me ease into the round where I know I've shot, you know, good scores before doing this and I can have faith and trust in what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, typically 
my rain sessions are actually pretty much the same wherever I go. You know, it's typically I'm very set on. I start with a six iron because it's my normal, it's my like my generic club. I'm slowly getting warmed up. Then I go like six iron. Then I go into a three wood. And then I go down to a pitching. So you start with six. So I start with six. So I don't even. I, I feel like I'm pretty loose. Like I've done all my stretching prior to. Yeah. Kind of, you know, I feel like that's an important. Yeah. Do it. An important side note that I've. You know, I'm actually loose by the time I get to the course. I don't feel like I have to warm up. Otherwise, I feel like I would probably start with wedges. But yeah. I'm normally, I've gone through my morning routine. I've either worked out or I've stretched, done a little yoga, gotten loose roll up to the golf course and I start with a six iron, I go up to a three wood and I come back down to a pitching wedge and I go all the way up to a driver and then I finish with wedges. And for me, the wedges is the most important part because I feel like we get jacked up after we hit a bunch of drivers, you know, yeah. five, 10, 15, 20 drivers. And all of a sudden your adrenaline starts to flow and, you've, and you're yeah, feeling ready. Like, yeah. Forcing yourself to come back down and hit some wedges is just kind of that Way to tell your body, okay, you don't need to get too jacked yet. We're still, you know, you guys, you need to find your tempo. Mm -hmm. And for me, the, the, the wedges for me are my ultimate tempo, you know. And for me, it's, I always finish with it. And then, you know, I think I'm the same way. I think after my prep, I'm, I'm on the green and, you know, I've made, I've made all my mental calculations from the day before, or, you know, even the first look at the green. And I feel like that's something that, the more golf you play, the, the easier it becomes where, you know, you can look at a green and just go, yeah, yeah, I have a general idea of what this green's going to do. And, you know, I, I do, I, I typically start with like a 15 or a 20 footer just because I like to see, you know, I like to see which way it's dying. I like to see just kind of how it's rolling over that long stretch of turf. And if, you know, if it works out where I'm like, okay, that works and I can kind of I typically, I know this sounds, you know, like silly, but I actually prefer to hit a bunch of 40 or 50 footers because I know at some point during the round, especially early, I'm going to have a couple. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, I'm still getting dialed. I'm still kind of figuring out how I'm playing. And so I will. I'll whack a couple of, you know, like 40 or 50 footers. I'll piss a couple people off, <laughs> you know, like on the putting green because I'm putting in between their feet, yeah. like running across the putting yeah. green. But for me, it's an important step because you know i feel like if you can gauge a 40 footer length then kind of the rest of it comes really easy where you know you know how it's going to react coming downhill uphill side hill and i feel like the more i get to know that then the easier it becomes for me but in the same way too like executing you know like executing the bunker shots um figuring out is it beach sand is it normal sand mm. how thick is it how how much volume do you have? Um, you know, I love, I almost use my feet as a way to gauge, you know, I'll, I'll start to dig my feet in the bunker and depending on how much give there is, mm -hmm. that for me is a really good indication really of, you know, how much leeway do I have? Mm -hmm. You know, obviously before we get into a huge technical discussion about bounces and <laughs> how you execute bunker shots it's an easy way for me to go okay is my is my wedge going to skip is it going to dig you know is it just going to react kind of normally to what i've been practicing and depending on those you have to make these really quick adjustments on the fly as opposed to you know kind of knowing and and you get comfortable too especially when you play your home course and i think that's what tournament golf is so great yeah. because 
when you're playing your home course, you're playing the same conditions, relatively. You're playing the same bunkers, playing the same lines, the same fairways, same greens. I mean, I think that's a huge, mm -hmm. huge implication of that is you're playing on the same greens every time. And you know, one of, for me, tournament golf is a great way to get out, play a different type of green, maybe right. see something that you haven't seen before. Well, that makes a good point. Let's talk about that a little bit too. Turning your your home course into a tournament field for the tournament, right? Mm. Because if you if you you play the same course all the time, you kind of go through the motions a little differently than you do in a tournament. And then all of a sudden, it's like you're doing all this work, but you haven't been preparing for that. So, like you said, how you you do your warm up about the same now for your practice rounds and your regular or your tournament rounds. I think you got to do some of your you know your fun rounds like tournament rounds where you're getting the yardage, you know, maybe you walk your course instead of take a cart, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of people just take a cart, they'll play in three hours and um, they don't, it's, it's so different, you know, right. so do the same walking, do the same prep, you know, throw the grass up to check the wind and not just assume, oh yeah, I always hit to this pin of the nine iron, right? Because then all of a sudden you go to the tournament, you're like, well, was it an eight or a nine? And this is a totally different golf course. I haven't thought about wind in a month. I don't have wind at my course, you know, or, or right. stuff like that. So. I think it's probably important that you balance balance that. I think my my parents always tell me it's like you have to practice like you play and yeah. you play like you practice. And the more you can keep it similar, the better. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's that's kind of what's changed for me is if I feel like I have a very set routine when it came to pre round and pre tournament. Yeah. You know, if I can if I can gauge that and make sure my emotions are in a relatively like a similar state it's it's good to get jacked you know it's good you know especially you're going to get that adrenaline surge coming from 15 through 18. right you know i i play with hannah and cat a lot and they always complain that that, that i have a quote-unquote fat night run mm -hmm. where you know i kind of ease into it for the first night and then all of a sudden i'll go four or five under on the back night and I'm like where did that where come that from? from that was bleh, that's unacceptable i i don't like that so <laughs> but it is it's you know we i feel like you know, and coming even coming back to during a round, I feel like we all go through stages in, in a tournament round. I feel like I've never had a round that's gone hundred percent smooth all the way through. It just doesn't happen. Period. You know, you, you can look at some pros and go, okay, I've seen one or two or three rounds total played where they've had everything under control. It's been super non-stressful. You know, and you know. It's managing those lulls and those highs mm -hmm. that are going to mean the difference in those extra couple of shots, right. as well. I mean, I mean, even even now, like regearing in the mental prep, you know, do you feel like you? How do you mentally prepare for the challenges of a tournament coming up? You know, because you know you're going to feel these emotions, and you know, you know there's going to be certain things that are going to be out of your control. How do you prepare yourself for that emotionally? Yeah, I mean, I think every round, every tournament is going to have a lot of challenges, and you have to be, you have to want those. You know, it's easy, I think, too, for junior golfers to kind of be fearful of stuff that everyone's fearful of. But that's the beauty of golf is learning how to overcome overcome those challenges. So I think, I think, with everything in everyone's life, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to be ready for everything that's coming at you, right? And so, um, you know, I think it's hard to say what's a, 
an, an easy way to to really handle that because that's a, a very that's a very deep issue to figure out mm -hmm. when you're going to be very confident for every moment so it comes through experience i think the more success you have in tournament play the more you'll you know feel good about where you're at with your game you know that's why you see like guys like tony fino winning all the time like they've just had much better experiences instead of losing a few now they're winning and now they have those memories and max homa wins again mm -hmm. last week right like He's had, what, how many wins did he have now? Four? Like, Four or five. And then nine. just a couple Very years ago, he so many cuts in a row. Like, it's an awesome turnaround. So it's yeah. stuff like that. I think, um, you know, the night before, I try to visualize how I want to play all the holes in my head. Like, I've actually psyched myself out the wrong way, thinking I'm going to birdie every hole. <laughs> <laughs> and then it doesn't happen. You're like, worried about the wait. What do you mean? Shoot. I was meant to make birdie. Yeah, I was shooting 54 today. You know, um, and then you birdie the first three, and then panic. Uh, <laughs> so, like, oh wait, it's yeah, actually happening. Yeah, <laughs> I, I manifested that. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I think you're always just trying to find ways that you feel confident, and just you know, sometimes it's not finding your confidence through golf; it's finding your confidence from something else, mm -hmm. so that you can go. Like all, especially if you've been struggling with your tournament play, if you've been struggling, and you just keep trying, you keep you know you're not succeeding. Well, hopefully, you better, you're, there's something else in your life that you're building yourself up on because you're tearing yourself down over here. So you got to have some positive reinforcement somewhere else. Right, and I think you know even kind of taking away from bad rounds, it's you, know, you can feel like yes, I've shot 79 today. I've shot 84 today. It's you know, but inherently there are going to be good things that happened during every round. Because you can't go through one round of golf and not hit a single bridge shot. It just doesn't happen. You know. I don't know, I hear it on the lesson piece sometimes. Oh, oh we <laughs> everything's bad. Yeah, everything's bad. No, Coach, it sucks. Break it down. I'm like, well I had like four one putts from forty feet or like just some random stuff. I'm like, okay, well everything wasn't bad, was it? And obviously that's attitude, but right. Yeah. And but I think I think the attitude makes up a huge part of that too. And it's this this willingness to learn and you know accept that you know hey if I have a if I have a tournament where I felt like I did everything right and I still didn't play very well you know maybe go back and look at you know how did I prepare you know mm -hmm. maybe even change it up a little bit you know it's taken me 10 years to come to a routine that I've I like and I'm confident with and I feel like I can play good golf after I do it yeah you know but it, that's 10 years yeah. you know it's golf is not just like something where you know like you listen to our podcast yeah. like you go out and play golf and you shoot like a 64 like it's, that, it's not what's gonna happen I, well i hope so i mean i'm hoping no, that's for why all, we're doing this. i'm hoping for all of our golfers <laughs> that that is gonna be the case but it's not gonna happen right away yeah, exactly yeah. and not, golf is not a linear game and i think that's the hardest thing for us to accept where you know i gave up the game for a year when i was 14 because i wasn't making linear progression mm -hmm. You know, life, I was getting better, but my scores weren't reflecting it. Sure. And so, to me, that equated to getting worse. Right. And Tough age for that, too. Exactly. You weren't, oh. you weren't mentally ready for that. No, absolutely not. And, you know, when other distractions come in, you know, you start ninth grade, you know, everything starts to get serious, and you go, wait a minute, I was meant to be getting better. I'm meant to be getting, starting those by college coaches. You know, you can get better at golf. Out the scores to reflect it. 
Oh, for sure. And that's that's the hardest thing to accept. You know, even you know, like even my recent swing change where I felt like my hands are getting pressed, you know, like farther forward at the, at both at the start of the swing, you know, I get an impact. I know I'm getting better technically. Mm -hmm. I know I am. Mm -hmm. But my score's not reflecting that. And that for me is really frustrating where I know at the end of the day, I know I'm gonna come out better, but it's trusting that process and going, okay, I can trust myself to get better. Yeah. Without and you know, it's okay if I have a month or two months or three months or four months of average scores that don't reflect the changes that I'm making because I'm still making progress. Right. And that's okay. We're allowed to give ourselves time to make progress. And I think that's that's the most difficult thing about golf is, you know, accepting that we're not going to get better every second of every day score-wise. Mm -hmm. You know, you can improve so much without having the scores reflect that. Right. And I think that for us is kind of the hardest thing about golf. But it's hard for golf. The perspective is key in knowing that you're getting better because you, you should be able to feel like that you're improving even if the numbers aren't coming down. And then there's other things you can do try to get the numbers to come down. But if the mechanics are getting better and the ball's flying straighter and it's less offline as often and still not going the hole, maybe your you know distances are off a little bit, but yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it is. It's it is and golf is always a matter of perspective too. It's you know, we feel like we feel like everything should go our way and but at the end of the day we are imperfect people playing an imperfect game. Yeah. And you know, the reality of that is we're going to struggle and we're going to, you know, falter and fail and we're going to be all, be all the better for it. Right. I think that's, that's, I think the most important part of the mental side of golf is accepting that there are going to be bad rounds. You know, I think the, the percentage of tour players who have won a tournament and then gone on to miss the cut the mm -hmm. next week, is something like oh, 70%. Yeah. Too high, that's way higher. That's yeah. 75%. And yeah. you're thinking, wait a minute. I just won. These tour pros just won yeah. four or five days ago. Yeah. Should they win every week? Should they win every week? Yeah. It's like it's very exhausting to win. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think I kind of want to gear into that next. It is the mental toll of golf is otherworldly. I mean, I, I remember walking off a golf course after a 36-hole day and just feeling emotionally and physically and mentally drained you know you leave at least for me i leave everything out of the golf course my brain is on 100 percent of the time you know, my and in order to counteract this my old college coach um, was insistent on bringing out every little bit of nutritional healthy snack possible so for the 36 holes he was like okay my philosophy is if we can't beat them on the course, we're at least going to beat them with our diet for the day. And he was all about feeling like he'd be there every other hole. You're like, do you want any food? Do you want any water? Have, no, you don't get to have a choice. You're taking the food and yeah. water. You know, I, I want you to feel like you're staying well fed. And it's true. It's, it's something that we don't really think about that side where, you know, these tiny, tiny things can affect our game in such a huge way where I've even like noticed through a lot of tournament play where it, when my adrenaline spikes at the end of a round, it can either mean really good things or really mm -hmm. bad things. Yeah. You know, and for, especially during a 36 old day in college, 
your goal is to stay as well-leveled and level-headed as possible because that's a 36-hole day. It's a long it's a day. day. You're going to have bad holes. You're going to have a bad stretch of five or six holes yeah. where it's going to make the difference of your tournament score. You know, you at the end of the day, you're going to have a choice at the end of those five or six holes to throw in the towel because you had three or four over in that stretch. Or you're, are you going to grind it out and keep going? And food and water is even such a huge part of that where you're, you know, you want to stay as hydrated and as well fed. You know, I'm the first one to admit I get very hangry. All of my, <laughs> all of my ex-girlfriends will, will say this. They are, they are not happy when I get hungry because it's, I turn into a monster. Keep some snacks here. It's, I, I do. I actually, I love some Wilson's like fruit snacks uh, for for a snack. But no, that's my favorite. Oh, we're not sponsored, but maybe, Welsh. Maybe the next one. Like, well, like Welsh. If you're hearing this, we are a big fan of your fruit snacks. Um, so, but it is. It feels like for me, it made a, a world of difference because my junior golf. You know, my mom would always pack my lunch. Yeah. And she would, you know. And me on my way to my turn, and I wolf everything down by hole three. Yeah. And by hole twelve, yeah. I was feeling it. That's that's when you crash. And and I crash. Yeah. And it is. It's one of those things where, just these small things where, as a golfer, we can kind of notice our own tendencies. And each golfer is going to have their own tendency. Each golfer is going to is is going to notice like, what happens when I'm sore and stiff in the morning. What happens, you know, when I don't eat as much. Like what happens if I drink a huge cup of coffee. I've gotten to a point now where I refuse to drink anything sugary or or anything caffeinated before, yeah, during, before during during or before a tournament round because I get because my nerves are already high yeah. and it sends me off a cliff and I feel like I am just on another planet in terms of nerves wise and I can't play golf. Funny story. One time I, I was when I was working with Yuki Oriyama, played for Oregon, now plays for UNLV. He was. Like one shot ahead at our FCG International with like three to play, and he's playing really well. He's like four or five under the final round, and I get to the 16th tee to watch the last three holes, and he pulls out a Red Bull. And I looked at his dad. I'm like, "Are you serious right now?" And I guess he's maybe built a little different. I don't know. <laughs> to me, it's not the way to <laughs> play. Four, so like, four I was like, like, "No, no, no I'm good." And I was like, mm, "I don't think so." <laughs> uh, anyway, he won the tournament, so that was a, a good thing for him. But I don't think that's the the norm. Um, mm. You know, when it comes to nutrition, I know when I was playing college golf in San Diego State, my coach pulled me in because I was, and he, he pulled out my scorecard. He's like, Chris, you know, you've you've struggled holes 10 through 14 the last, like, several rounds. And he's like, are you eating when you're playing? I'm like, I don't have any money, coach. I'm not eating. What do you mean eating? <laughs> you know, so we, normally our normal schedule, then I was, I, we have workouts in the morning. We go to class from 8 to 11. Me and a couple of teammates would grab, like, a sandwich at a sandwich shop and then we go tee off at one o'clock so yeah by three thirty, four o'clock i'm like i'm done but i got nine holes to play and so i would bogey or double or i'd have a, a few bad holes that would ruin most of my rounds and then i you know we talked about it i started eating better and started playing better those i mean it's one of those things that everybody playing tournaments has got to figure out their system for for how to eat so that i think that comes into the tournament prep side Especially when you're traveling, you know, what are your foods that you're going to eat? What are you going to bring to the golf course? You know, when are you going to buy that food? Where are you going to buy it? And be fully prepared. Luckily, if your parents or somebody's with you at a tournament, they can carry some of that stuff. Of course. But sometimes Absolutely. if you're playing a 
front of golf, you need to bring a lot of stuff. And that's helped a, you know, a lot of students play better is you know, jerky. I don't know what some of the snacks you eat. You can't just eat jerky. Lunches. Definitely jerky. No, I actually, I've, I I can't do as much. Well, I can only do like one pack per yeah. round because yeah. otherwise it spikes my sugar again and yeah. I'm off a cliff. But um, typically it's a piece of fruit, banana, apple, orange, uh, nectarine, peach. Um, and then that's kind of the front line. Uh, and then kind of the middle of the round, I'll always have a sandwich pack of, of some kind. But I also don't like carb loading in the middle of the round. I sure. feel like it weighs me down. Right. You know, I feel like my swing gets kind of clunky because I'm too busy digesting. And I think for me, I love the lighter foods, you know, yeah. granola bars, yeah. you know, a couple of pieces of granola even are really handy, mm-hmm. especially in the morning too, because you feel like you need to eat breakfast. Yeah. And so, you know, it's always kind of a bite of a piece of fruit, a bite of granola. Right. And then I'm kind of moving out in the middle of the round and I'll start to nibble on a sandwich. Trail mix without M Ms. Trail mix without M Ms. Yeah. Uh, is, is a perfect idea. Yeah. Um, and then typically towards the end of the round, you know, if I need that adrenaline spike, you know, I'll go after some jerky or I'll go after. Um, I like a couple chips. That, like kind of that middle of the round gets gets like my salt content up, and it feels like I can kind of refocus. You know, but each person is so wildly different, and I think that's. That's going to be the hardest part for our golfers is they need to figure out and be, and you know, I think this is what's going to matter the most is they need to figure out their own routine because obviously each person is wired differently. Each person, you know, practices differently. They warm up for tournaments differently, but I feel like if, if they can figure out a routine that works for them in the middle, just being able to grind out, play in a bunch of tournaments. Just, just go out and play tournaments. Just play as many as you can. Doesn't matter what they are. The only thing that matters is, you know, you take note of what you do and what prep you did before the round and how that impacted right. you, you know, like your round. Did you feel like feel like you were hydrated throughout the round? Did you feel like you were well fed? Did you feel like you were level headed? Did you feel like your adrenaline spiked halfway through the round? You know, what are these tendencies of you as a person and how do they impact your golf round? You know, I think that's going to be the most important part moving forward for, for all of our golfers is, you know, figuring out what that looks like. You know, how do I, how do I prepare for a tournament such that I'm like, when I walk on the first tee, I don't feel like I'm playing a guessing game. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have a set plan to execute during the round. And, you know, I know if a hole's under 380, where's my danger? Yeah. You know, if I know that I have to miss it somewhere, where is my miss? You know, Paula miss hole number one. You just don't miss, period. You know, you hit a shot that goes straight. Um, if you have a seven iron, yeah. you know, if you have to hit seven iron off the first day, you hit yeah. seven iron. But it's, you know, I think it's getting down to that routine and understanding how you operate as a player and how do you optimize that. Yeah. I think it's going to be kind of good. I think it's going to be our main message. How you're eating that. That's really good. Yeah. We covered a lot on tournament prep. Covered a lot on tournament prep. Next yeah. week, uh, I think we'll plan to go for uh, how to recover from bad rounds or bad stretches. Okay. Um, I think we'll we'll kind of do a deep dive into that side of golf. And Sounds good. I think we kind of touched on it a little bit, but I'm, I'm looking forward to going, going over it more in depth here in a couple weeks. Let's do it. All right, Chris. Yeah. Pleasure as always. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for watching.